There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medical wisdom have been dismantled by Big Pharma. We are truly in the dark ages of healing. After all, it's not just about living long. It's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Seek the truth with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And we are here with podcast episode 89. LBJ, old Lyndon Baines Johnson, who took Kennedy's place, should have had this done for him, not an EKG. And there he is, President Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, and when she says there it is, for those of you just listening to the audio file, we do have a webinar that goes along with this podcast. Yes, and it's really exciting. This is going to be one of our better, if not our best, podcasts. But the webinar is outstanding. Because of the pictures that go along with what we're talking about and... Again, that is absolutely free to watch the video as well as the audio. Yeah. I think if you're just listening audio, you're going to hear some stuff that, oh my gosh, I want to see that. (laughs) So anyway, what what I meant there was that instead of the EKG that uh, LBJ had the day before he died of a massive heart attack, which showed that his heart was just fine, he should have had the kind of exam we are going to be talking about in today's podcast, which would have set off alarm bells throughout the country. Yes, because an EKG just shows what has already happened to your heart. It will show negative unless there has been some event that's affected the heart. It doesn't show any, it doesn't forecast any kind of... No, it doesn't show weakness. Massive heart attack. No. Which he had the next day. So he got a clean bill of health. The next day he died of a massive heart attack. So So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We also want to mention our free symptom survey that you can take if you're just listening for the first time or if you've been listening for several times and you're consumed by guilt that you haven't done this yet. (laughs) You can get a username and password that will give you access to over 700 protocols from which you can search any symptom in the world. So just go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take the symptom survey and you'll be inside the inner sanctum. Tell oh, your family, tell your friends. Let's let's heal the world. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. <laughs> All right, but before that, our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are the secret things they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. I had a patient send me their Facebook page um, to read a post about his wife that was recently diagnosed with glaucoma. He mentioned on the post that she was just diagnosed the day before, and he said, "Praying, we are praying so hard the meds work to buy her more time to have vision. We are absolutely devastated, and prayers and positive healing thoughts would be much appreciated. So I saw that, well, he sent it to me, actually, and I, I sent him back a fantastic article from Nutrition News and Views, um, it's for healthcare professionals only, but we at the Forbidden Doctor are going to give it away to you guys. And it's, it's on cataracts, macular degeneration, and glaucoma. I wrote him back and I said, I just sent you a really wonderful article on glaucoma, and I'll send you our recommendations after that. 
the medications she's on will help reduce the pressure, which is critical. Then you need to heal and rebuild the foundational problem. She needs some really good fat and protein in her diet because she needs certain key amino acids to rebuild her eyes. I'll send a protocol with it and blah, 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 I said. I explained all this. She needs all these different things to rebuild. And he sent me this back, Jack. This is, this is so sad. Mary, thank you for trying to think of things. But this is primary glaucoma, which is genetic. It has to do with her physiological drainage from her eyes. I mean, he explained the whole thing. He went on and on. We have her on about seven different meds to reduce the internal pressure from both her eye, left eye, which is the one that's presented first. Her interocular pressure was 75 when normal is 10 to 12. So she's in serious trouble here. And also her right eye, in which they can see it, is also growing tissue. And that's how they knew it was a primary, not a secondary glaucoma. We took her to an eye care specialist in Chicago who is very highly respected. I work with somebody who trains nurses and he knows and he knows him and is close friends with this doctor and says whatever he says trust him 100%. We are all about prayers and positive healing thoughts for sure and you are so sweet for trying to think outside the box. <laughs> Thank you. I wrote back, I'm not thinking outside the box. This is basic nutrition. It's way inside the box. It's just ignored by the quote respected medical establishment. If she didn't have glaucoma when she was younger and she has it now, the only thing that turned on the gene was nutrition and stresses. This can be turned around. We can put that gene back to sleep. Again, the meds will not heal her. They're very important, though. They stop a crisis for a time, but they do not heal. Of course, you should always follow your doctor's advice to save her eyesight and stop a crisis, but their profession does not work with nutrition. I'm just suggesting some nutritional help to rebuild from the inside out. Anyway, I spent way too much time with him and continue to talk to him about the GAPS diet and really getting her healed because, my goodness, this is her eyesight. But he just kept saying to me the doctors were doing all they could and they were the best doctors and he was not ready to make broth, change her diet, or do supplements. He would just follow the doctor's recommendation. Very what are you sad. Do? Yeah, it's very sad. But um, we just have this article I sent had. Let me just read the conclusion of it really fast. It says mounting evidence points to nutrition as a major factor in the prevention and early treatment of eye disorders. Results of supplementation with synthetic and/or isolated substances have been disappointing, whereas whole foods keep appearing as benefactors. Years ago, Dr. Royally observed that the eye conditions of some patients improved while they were taking food concentrate supplements and eating a whole food diet for other ailments. He reasoned that these responses occurred when imbalances or deficiencies were corrected so that body tissues assume their normal structure and function. In many cases, nutritional treatment, if extensive, specific, and begun in the beginning stages, can be a significant aid to recovery. And, you know, one of the really interesting things about this that he says there is that while they were working with other parts of the body that seemed to have problems, were somewhat deficient, weak, stress, whatever, they noticed the eyes improved <laughs> while they were working on other parts yes. of the body because the eyes are going to respond to it as well. And as we get into what we're going to talk about today, you're going to find there's a certain organ in the body that is the flagship warning of every other possibility that could happen thereafter. Yeah, these are forbidden things you, they don't tell you about. So go to our website, 
Just type in glaucoma and you'll get the protocol that I sent him for rebuilding and helping his wife's eyesight. So do you want to give him this yeah. big fat disclaimer? I here? want a great big disclaimer because this <laughs> is so scary. This is such a protected industry, um, the heart. If you are not a healthcare professional and have obtained access to this podcast, you should not act upon what you see or hear without first consulting a qualified healthcare mm. professional. And we're saying that because when we put this stuff together, I looked at Mary, Mary looked at me, and I said, Mary, this is scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be frightening any of our listeners. And I'm not saying this in the sense of some off-the-cuff marketing trick here. We're going to be talking about the heart. Now, we have other podcasts on the heart, but not, we've, we have no podcast like this one. No. This because is... of something that has just recently occurred, and there is something that's going to be offered in our clinic that you keep listening. And this is for everybody who listens to this podcast we have a free offer for something that is absolutely vital. Yes. If it wasn't for my guilt, I wouldn't be doing it for free. <laughs> well, we spent a bit of money on this. So. Yeah, so let's talk about the heart. There are 525,600 minutes in a year. I know you wake up sometimes, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you turn to your significant other and say, do you know how many minutes there are in a year? <laughs> And until you find out, you can't go back to sleep. Well, let me help you. 525,600. It's the same number as deaths by heart attack per year. Wow. Now, that's wow. the death from a heart attack. There's a lot more heart attacks. In fact, there's 1,600,000 heart attacks in this country every year, fatal and non-fatal. But the fatal ones occur about every 20 seconds. Wow. A heart attack death every minute. Now, the heart, as you well know, is made of muscle and valves, and it's made of connective tissue. It's this big, big, giant collagen structure, and it is the ultimate muscle in the body. 100,000 miles of blood vessels in our bodies. The, the veins, the arteries, 100,000. That's, that's, that's almost halfway to the moon. Wow. In every body. 60,000 of those miles are simply capillaries. And these capillaries, in most cases, are so small, just a few micrometers away from every cell, that it takes a microscope to see them, but they're there. Six quarts of blood circulated to every cell in the body every minute. So your heart beats about 100,000 times a day, which is about 35 million times a year. And during your average lifetime, which is like 70, 72 years, your heart is going to beat more than two and a half billion times. It's going to pump 800 million pints of blood or about a million barrels in one lifetime. That's enough to fill one super tanker, an oil super tanker. More than one oil super tanker. Yes. And blood takes about 60 seconds to circulate throughout the entire vascular system. Your heart, the adult heart, pumps about five quarts of blood every minute. Now, when you go get an oil change on your car, the average size car is going to get five quarts of oil when oh it gets goodness. a new oil change. Your heart pumps that every minute. Approximately 2,000 gallons of blood every day through your body. It's amazing we don't feel this. 
You're, well, yes. You and, should never feel this. And one of the great signs of health is that you don't feel this. Yes. You should never feel, as you said, a typical athlete's heart can churn up to eight gallons of blood a minute. So you hold out your hand in front of you and make a fist. If you're a kid, your heart's about the same size as your fist. But if you're an adult, it's about the size of two fists. Wow. And can you really believe that drugs and surgery can make all of this possible? No. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what our body does. Yes, it is. Now, this was well understood by Dr. Royal Lee, and you've heard us talk about him many times in other podcasts that we've done. But he developed a machine uh, almost 100 years ago that it, it showed up about the same time that the EKG did. But the EKG, the electrocardiogram, is measuring electrical signals through the heart. And if there is a heart event that occurs, scar tissue will form. And the, the electrical signal will not pass through that, heart, that scar tissue like it does regular healthy tissue. And so that little blip shows up on the EKG reading. It's already happened. It, but, but it had to have already happened mm -hmm. before the EKG can see it. Well, Dr. Lee said, you know, we can do one better than that. How about if we got a machine that measured the strength of the heart muscle, that measured the integrity of the heart valve, and they do it by sound recording. Now, in Chapter 23 of Guyton's Physiology, and we're going to mention this a little bit later, the Bible of human physiology and schools of chiropractic and schools of medicine talks about heart sounds and what these heart sounds look like. Now, before Guyton ever put that in their book, Dr. Lee was doing this almost 100 years ago. Well, I think 80 years is probably more He accurate. was quite the inventor. <clears throat> yes, he was. Those of you who might be World War II veterans are familiar with the Norton bomb site. It's what made it possible to have D-Day. D-Day could not have occurred in June of 1944 without, June 6th, I think, uh, without getting rid of the Nazi, the German army emplacements uh, and batteries all along the French coast. Those guns had to be taken out or they could sink the ships that were approaching for the D-Day invasion. And the bombing that had occurred up to that time was done at about 2,000 feet. They had to get down to 2,000 feet to be able to see and, ad and accurately place a bomb on the target. But at 2,000 feet, the anti-aircraft guns could, get, could get the airplanes. And the only way they could get away from that flak is they had to bomb from 12,000 feet and higher. But at 12,000 feet, you're two miles above the earth. And they hit a small little target, you know, some, in some cases the size like of a, of a little additional uh, building on the side of your house where you, you, you put your yard stuff, things like that. To hit that target from 12,000 feet was very difficult. So Norden was, the Norden bomb site was named after the fellow, Norden, who developed it. But they couldn't get the exact placement without an accelerometer invention. And that's what Dr. Lee came up with. He deve developed this device that made it pinpoint bombing accuracy at 12,000 feet. He effectively ended World he, War II. He, it, without him, mm -hmm. there would have been no D-Day invasion. Right. Now, that same device he has used for listening to the heart. Now, to listen to the heart is called auscultation. I think we'll get to that in a minute. I know I'm kind of getting ahead of it here. But I just wanted to make these points important or clear because... This device is an accelerometer. It's not listening to sound so much as it's listening to acceleration inside the heart. Is the heart contracting fast or contracting slow? Is it contracting strong or is it contracting weak? That's what this thing measures, and this thing is truly revolutionary. 
Yeah, he has secured over 70 U.S. patents. 70 U.S. patents. In fact, you probably use one of his patents today in your blender. That's and right. And the space shuttle apparently still uses yes, one. Yes, uses some of his equipment that he developed almost 100 years ago. So. All right. I know I went on kind of lengthy, but we can kind of get through some of this really quick here. Well, Dr. Lee's greatest love was always the subject of nutrition. And he said one of the biggest tragedies of human civilization is the precedence of chemical therapy over nutrition. It's the substitution of artificial therapy over natural, of poisons over food, in which we are feeding people poisons trying to correct the reactions of starvation. Yeah, and that statement is, is as effective today as it was back then, except in the medical, mostly in medicine. Medicine cannot connect bad nutrition with bad health. They just don't do it. Yeah, well, he wrote a therapeutic food manual, which they um, almost destroyed. The only reason we have it today is because... His wife buried them, but they made him burn his life's work out in front of a library in America. You don't think those... Book burning. Yeah, book burning. You don't think that goes on, but it does. But we have it to this day. But even to this day, Standard Process cannot sell his book. Is that just amazing? Another company obtained the copyright and they sell it. Yeah, but we have it. Um, So despite his wealth and notoriety, his engineering marvels... Dr. Lee brought his greatest love was always the subject of nutrition. Yeah. Okay, so let's we're going to get into the meat of this. We've kind of given you an introduction to it so far, and um, we're showing a picture of the original endocardiograph from 1937. If you're watching the webinar, we have one in our office. It looks just like that. It look, It smells like it's from. I mean, it's got that old. Oh yeah. You know, phonograph it's a wood, a wood kind of smell. Old, yeah. Yeah, you remember. But I'm I'm going to be 66 in about two weeks, three weeks, something like that, and I can remember back in the late 50s, early 60s, in my grandfather's house, and they had an old Zenith TV, and you turn it on, and you had to wait like two minutes. Yeah, before and the did tube it smell up, like this? And it smelled like yeah. that room had that. Well, really quickly, if you're if you're watching the webinar, we have a slide of a pre and a post of an 87 year old guy that we did on the endocardiograph, and above it shows his heartbeat, and it's it's not a good heartbeat. It's a little. It's not lub dub, lub dub, lub dub. It's just a mesh of stuff, and with a lot of arrhythmia. Yes, and then we had him chew up six cardiotrophins and six cataplex B. And we waited about 45 minutes. We did another test on this old endocardiograph, and it's worked beautifully, and it just comes in. And those of you looking up, at the slide, you can see the bottom graph there, just consistent and clear, without all of the little squiggly line aberrations taking place between the lub-dub. Yeah. And this is all we gave him right here, cardiotrophin PMG, which is something that diverts your own anti-auto antibodies away from attacking your heart. If you're sick long enough, you're going to develop an autoimmune Every problem. Everything turns into, ends up as if an autoimmune. If you're sick long enough, everything will turn into a, an yeah. autoimmune problem. And then we're going to talk a lot about Cataplex B as we go along. But it is it powers the nervous system. This is food for the nervous system. And you have to convert your chemical energy into food. And I mean... The chemical energy, the food will convert the chemical energy into electrical energy. And that's, that's what, what the, I'm that's trying what to say. The, that's what the, the B vitamins do. Because whole food, whole food B, B vitamins. vitamins. Because your heart, not the health food store. Your heart B doesn't beat; it just sits there. It's the nerves that 
pound against it. There's the, an electrical signal through the, right. bur, the nerves that tell the muscle to contract. And that's what this Cataplex B does, vitamin B, a whole food vitamin B. Here's a glimpse here on this uh, next picture of uh, the basic protocol we recommend for a general heart tonic to keep your heart strong, to keep your heart working well. Uh, we're not treating cardiomyopathy here. Uh, we're not treating any disease. We're not suggesting that you get rid of your heart medications. We're not saying anything like that whatsoever. We don't have those words on the slide. No, we don't. <laughs> don't say those words. What we have here is food-based nutrition that has been demonstrated over and over again just to strengthen the heart and support its function. Okay, so we showed you Dr. Royal Lee's old, old endocardiograph, and we are proud to announce that they, it, after many, many years of trying to duplicate this machine, which they weren't able to do because... All his notes got destroyed. Yeah, the they FDA even sent, destroyed his They notes. even sent it to Japan, those smarties over there mm -hmm. trying to get him to recreate it. They couldn't. They sent it to Australia. They couldn't recreate it. But they finally did, and here we go. Drum roll, please. The heart sound recorder. There it is. The heart sound recorder. Those of you on the webinar can see a picture of it. It is a very low-risk general wellness heart stress monitor that we use to acquire and display and record your heart sounds on all four heart valves. And the cool thing is, is it records them into a computer now. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so we have a digital record. We have a digital record. We can do um, follow-ups. We can get your original heart. The other one, the old one, we had this paper tape. Oh, and gee. We had to cut and paste it and then Xerox it and then digitize Total it and pain. scan it. It Total was terrible. Pain. And and you you know you couldn't do it forever because you would run out of paper. Right. So this is now new and fantastic. And it is classified. They, they, they've been waiting to release it to the market because they wanted FDA approval. And the FDA finally came back and said, listen, you don't need FDA approval. This is a non... In, you don't need FDA approval on this any more than you do a stethoscope. Awesome. Because with a stethoscope, you're just listening to the heart. This is on the same level as the Apple Watch or your iFit device mm -hmm. that's hanging on your wrist mm -hmm. that will all it, it may it may monitor your heart rate but that's about all that those things on your wrist will do this device goes way beyond it because but because it does not invade the body in any any way whatsoever it's just considered a wellness device yeah so it, it just listens it's like a seismic earthquake detector well that's what it is it has built into the instrument that does the detection the same technology that over in Boulder, Colorado, the USGS, United States Geological Service, has stuck inside the ground these little monitoring devices. So they know last week there was 147 earthquakes in Southern California from one up to four on the Richter. If there was an earthquake in the next 10 minutes in Central Australia, as little as a one, they would know it in Boulder, Colorado. That kind of instrumentation is what's in this device. Well, it, you know, the earthquake detector detects movement in the earth, and this machine picks up the movement of the heart. And nothing else. Nothing else. And your heart's, I mean, your body's noisy. I Other mean, people have tried to come up with heart sound devices, but it picks up the gurgling and the yeah. burgling and the uh, yeah. <laughs> all these. And the breathing. And, and the bre especially the air moving in yeah. and out of the lungs. This, um, this is just a, a brilliant machine that they could have utilized back then. And Dr. Lee begged them and cried to cardiologists, please, please use this. You can save so many lives. 
but they wouldn't even look at it. No, they, they won't, because you can make more money with an EKG than you can with this. And to show you how much money this can't make, we have an incredible offer that we're making to our patients. This, this device is now available in our clinic, and we're going to let you come and use it for free. It was not free to buy, mind you. <laughs> no, this thing is several thousands <laughs> yeah, of dollars was, in cost. It was even double what the endocardiograph was. Yes, it was more than double, actually. Yeah, so, but we, we well, you have so much guilt I have. about you not know, saving well, the world. One of my great mentors and those who have been in chiropractic for a while know Dr. Fred Barge. And Dr. Fred Barge has got a, an advanced degree in chiropractic philosophy, just one of the great leaders. And what he always did with every patient, he would listen to their heart and take their heart blood pressure before he worked on them as a chiropractor. Mm. And these, there's old film archives showing him doing this. He'll listen to the heart, and he will take the blood pressure, and, and then he works. And you don't do that? I don't do that. Well, I don't do that unless a patient asks me. Then I get out the cuff, and I get out the stethoscope, and I, and I start listening, and then I tell them what, I, I, I tell them what it is. And I, and I said, it may be a little elevated because you're sitting in a doctor's office. I know my heart but this goes will nuts be, in a doctor's this office. This will be very, very accurate. This thing, you don't have to take off any clothes. It, you know, you want something thin on, but it can read right through your top. Mm -hmm. And we put it over four different valves. And it listens, and then it records digitally on a screen what it's hearing. Okay. And so we're going to get to that stuff here in just a second. But one thing I want to say about the heart, and this is really important, the first organ to suffer from bad nutrition in the body is the heart. And no organ is quicker to respond to good nutrition as the heart. So that tape that we showed you a few slides before, that fellow waited several minutes, 40, 45 45 minutes. minutes. Then, then we retested his heart, and that gave us that improved second line. That is how fast the heart can respond to good nutrition. And this is auscultation. This is simply listening to the heart. So the heart, the heart will react so quickly to other stressors, nutritional, chemical, emotional, whatever. So the heart's reaction to certain types of nutrition or stress can be within 5 to 10 minutes. Well, Dr. Lee said 60 years ago, you can clear up heart problems within a few with a few vitamins. I'll tell you why they don't know how to do this. It's because the, these conspirators who sell us these synthetic foods don't permit the doctor to know it. They actually censor all the medical literature. I challenge you to find an item in any medical book telling you the things I'm telling you. He here. said this back in the 50s. Yeah. Back in the 50s, the giant food manufacturers were controlling what went into the medical textbooks because they did not want medicine to ever learn the immediate, intimate relationship between improving or ruining your diet and the subsequent effect it would have on your body. They and, wanted to sell drugs. And isn't it sad? Here we are 60 years later rediscovering this, basically. I mean, this new machine. We should have been light years ahead of this by now. Yes. We shouldn't have any heart problems to speak of it's so they're so easy to correct now the textbook the absolute bible of human physiology now you know anatomy is how the body's put together physiology is how it works and the 11th edition of guyton's and guyton's is the absolute bible of human physiology you go to med school there's guyton's physiology you go to chiropractic school there's guyton's physiology we study the same things. In fact, the first two years of chiropractic is the same as the first two years of medicine, how the body's put together and how it works. 
Now, I bring this up because in chapter 23 of the Bible of human physiology in American health universities, medicine or chiropractic, probably um, naturopathic medicine as well, chapter 23, heart valves and heart sounds, dynamics of valvular and congenital heart defects. And what they do is they show this graph as to what heart sounds look like when properly auscultated, when properly listened to, which is what this device does. And this device will show you patterns. And I'm telling you this because somebody didn't come up with this and advertise it in the back of a comic book and it didn't sell. So they're selling it to chiropractors <laughs> and nurses and medical doctors and other people who are lining up to get this thing. We got one of the, we got number 75. Yeah, we did. Of the first 80. Yeah, we, we hesitated a little because well, it was expensive. Well, it's very, yeah, it's very but expensive. We got number 75. Yeah. And so, and of course we were, you know, Gosh, we could use that money to fix up the yard. <laughs> no, we got it, and we're offering it for free. Yeah. Now, excited. what happens is you would get the test, and you would chew up some nutritional supplements we gave you, and then wait 15, 20, 25 minutes, and then retest it. And you can see on the screen in front of you the changes taking place in your heart. And if you continued to do that within weeks you'd be up out of the chair. You'd be up out of the chaise lounge. You'd be up out of the sofa and getting things done again. So you can come in, get the test, chew up what we think you need, and then you test again before you leave. And there in front of your eyes, confirmed by Guyton's 11th edition textbook of medical physiology, you'll see the same graph showing up on this test with a heart sound recorder that you can see in Guyton's physiology. Well, let's jump into it then. We're going to show you some graphs. We're going to talk about rate, rhythm, and tone, but first we want to shock you a little bit. <laughs> this, this is uh, autopsied pictures. Oh, well, obviously they're an autopsy. Yeah. They're, these are hearts. There's two <laughs> hearts hanging here. <laughs> Here's a medical Nobody doctor. donated them, and wait, <laughs> and they're not waiting for them to come back. They're, they're you got to go look, get on the webinar to see these two hearts. There's a healthy one on the left and a heart failure one on the right. And the one on the right has not been touched with Photoshop. That is as exactly what the autopsied heart looked like. All of the missing parts of the myocardium. The it's myocardium enlarged. being the heart muscle itself. Mm -hmm. It's twice the size of the other one. It looks like a big old slab of liver. And it is falling to pieces. That is heart failure. The healthy myocardium, where it's the heart tissue is still dense, is on the left. Now, we want to show you some graphs. We want to show you these graphs. That This is what you're going to see when you do the test. If you see this picture here that we're showing you right now on your first heart scan, we're going to salute you. We're going to pat you <laughs> on the back. We're going to take your picture and put it up in the front of the office because this is an ideal graph. Lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. The rate is perfect, the rhythm is perfect, and the tone is perfect. So what can you say? I don't know. It's just so beautiful. Um, normal is approximately 72 beats per minute. The optimal resting heart is 60 to 80 beats per minute, and that is the rate, and that's where we're going to start with. We're going to talk about what you need to do to get the rate perfect so it looks like this beautiful yeah, chart. and rate could be lub-dub, 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 lub-dub. That would be tachycardia. It could be lub-dub, 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 which they call bradycardia or too slow. But you hear that it's consistent. Well, yeah, and uh, the, the mitral valve 
is is where the lub come from comes from and prolapse comes from the valve expanding and becoming weak and it's where it arches it like balloons back into the ventricle and it wears out from beating wrong because it never rests so the primary nutritional deficiency for mitral valve prolapse is magnesium it helps the heart utilize calcium better and helps the valve become more flaccid and you will also be a, a sign of a mitral valve prolapse is you'll be very tired. And yeah. I was diagnosed with mitral valve prolapse. And I was so exhausted in my 30s. I remember I could not... I mean, the thought of vacuuming just absolutely sent me into a depression. I was so tired all the time. I didn't have that bam, lub sound. Can the heart be supported in the case of a mitral valve prolapse? Of course it can. Yeah, easily. We'll, we'll be talking about that. Okay, and then here is the perfect ratio. This next slide is the perfect ratio with rate. And it's one to one A twentieth of a second to a fortieth of a second. In other words, uh, an lub entire dub. heart cycle, entire cardiac cycle is lub-dub to the next lub. Yes, and in the movies, they always do it wrong. You hear these heartbeats, and it's like... Um, Lub dub, lub dub, lub dub, lub dub, lub dub, like that. And then it speeds up when it's really scary. And then it goes, but it's not that. It's two to one. It's lub dub, lub dub, lub dub. So you hear the, the space between the two. And in a perfect heartbeat, if you lived to be 100 years old, and this is a cool little fact, and we, I've mentioned this in other podcasts, um, your heart needs to be at complete total rest between the lub and the dub and between the dub and the next lub. Mm -hmm. Complete, total, non-movement, completely at rest. Which means if you live to be 100 years old, the normal heart during that entire period of time will have been completely still for 67 years. The lazy thing. Yes, it would be beating 33 years, but completely still and motionless for 67 years. Then you might live to 100. Then you possibly could live to 100. And so the, what is known as uh, the first sound and second sound, the second sound is the dub isn't quite as loud as the lub. It's lub-dub, 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 because the dub is the closing of the semilunar valves. The lub is the closing of the mitral and the tricuspid valves. And the device that we just lay across your chest picks those accelerated movements up and shows them brilliantly on the screen. And forecasts. Here is a okay, slide this of is, missing a beat. Now, this is those of you looking at this, there's two circles on here. There's the top circle where a beat is completely missing. And I saw this on a patient the other day with uh, the girl. With, well, she only has three chambers <laughs> well, in her heart. That's, that's not fair. She's, she's the sweetest patient in the world, but she was born with uh, hypoventricular problems so that the left ventricle did not form correctly. So mm -hmm. it's the right ventricle that in every all the rest of us is pumping blood to the lungs. It's pumping blood to her body. But that's not what this is. This is an actual But she had scan. a missing... No, no. We, this is not her scan. This is not her but scan. But her scan looked exactly like this. Yeah, this is scary. It had a missing beat. Yeah. So for some of you, you're missing a beat and you know it because there'll be a lub-dub, lub-dub, <laughs> lub dub and the lub after the the missing beat comes in lub dub i mean it just bounces bam. out of your chest yeah and you go oh my gosh what was that it may have been a missing beat because that next one beats even harder 
to make up for the missing one. But now, it's the two-to-one ratio we're trying to show right. here. Right, and in the second graph here, you see where the where the, the sound comes back. And so you've got four good beats across this bottom uh, graph, but in the graph above it, you've only got a couple of them. But it's also not showing the two-to-one ratio either in the bottom one. Mm, nah, it's really not. Yeah, it's off. Yeah, it's off. But it's an improved one from the one on top yeah. because the beat showed Mightily up. improved. And here's a little testimonial. Um, a, a doctor that owns one of these machines, he was testing it out for, oh, I guess, about a year, and he sent a letter to the president of Standard Process, and he said, I was testing patients today at a doctor's office, and we had some amazing patient changes from the last, one, last time we tested. This doctor has a machine now, and I have been training him over the few months. Um, this was one patient that I thought you would like to see and possibly use in your seminars. We had her, oh, okay, she signed a release and everything else. We put her on Cataplex B for obvious reasons, along with adrenal desiccated, Mintran, calcium lactate, and protofood. She feels like a new woman for several weeks now. She has not had to take her treatment for COPD, which the medical doctors say is... Yeah. Non-treatable. Uh, uncurable. She can breathe again. She can breathe again, and she has cut her meds down 75% for her fibromyalgia as well, which included Percocet every day, and we're yeah, going to give a seminar on that. That's by improving heart function, those things help, have to go, went away. Yeah. Okay, this and, next... Uh, well, there's her slides. Yeah. I mean, there's her graph. That's what I wanted to bring up. There's the before and after. And if you look really close on this, I think it's one, mo one month apart. It is. It's one month it's apart. It's one month. Look you at that You see all kinds of fibrillation going on on that first graph. And the second graph, lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub yeah, is returned. That's really scary. And, you know, if that just went on... Well, fibrillation is... Yeah, you know, never you rests. Lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. And you can have a lub-dub, lub so that you have fibrillation in both the atrium and the ventricle. Get your papers in order. Yeah. That's, that's all a, I can that's say. Very, if very that's scary. happening, get your papers in order. Yeah. Well, look at the improvement in this lady. This yes. is slide number, I don't know what slide it is, 25. 25. So if you want to go back to So here's a quick picture just coming up here really quick because this is already getting to be lengthy. Uh, what is, what causes, what's creating the lub? And it's the closing of the mitral and... Uh, tricuspid valves. It's when the heart compresses and it blows the heart, the blood up the aorta or in the um, pulmonary ar uh, artery that's carrying blood to the lungs or the aorta that's c carrying blood to the body. As soon as the compression of the ventricles quits and to stop blood coming back in until it's time or, or to divert, to make sure blood doesn't go back up into the atrium, of the left and right, those valves shut. And then as soon as the heart relaxes, they fill back up with blood again. And that's what's known as the um, diastole, the period of after the diastolic uh, measurement, so that the heart can fill with blood again. And then the dub is just the opposite with the other two valves. Now, that may have sounded a little bit confusing, but if you read the picture there, it'll explain it. <laughs> well, Dr. Lee talked, um, how to, talked a lot about calcium and vitamin F and how it can regulate this lub-dub, lub-dub. And let me read a little quote from him. He said, vitamin F promotes a diffusion of calcium out of the bloodstream into the tissues and particularly into the muscle. 
Without calcium, we lose our endurance. We tire easily. And if the heart muscle is deprived of calcium by a vitamin F deficiency, it is unable to complete its cycle. The muscular contraction collapses before it's finished. Now, when people are taking beta blockers because they have high blood pressure, it blocks the calcium from getting into the muscle, which will not contract without the calcium. Can you imagine? I mean, that is so, so scary. So We talk about this quite a bit in the uh, Restless Legs yeah. uh, podcast. I forget what number it is, but one of our earlier podcasts on Restless Legs talks about this intimately, goes into great detail. Well, calcium, yeah, I mean, caterpillar. Vitamin F ionizes the calcium in your blood. You can have all the blood in the world. If it can't get into the muscle, it doesn't do you any good. Sure. I mean, you can have enough calcium in your blood, it'll turn you to bone. You can have a good calcium measurement in a blood exam. Yes. But if it's not getting out of the blood in the if tissues. If it's not ionized. If it's not ionizable, diffusable calcium, can, liquid calcium that can get into the tissue to affect the contraction, it isn't going to help. Yeah, it moves it into um, your heart. Now, we talk a lot about this with... Um, um, cramps in the legs and and restless legs and and cramps are only funny up until you have a cramp in the heart. Yes. So that's why we're bringing it up here right now. Is this keeps you your heart? Beating. The majority of heart attacks is simply a cramp in the ventricle. So you know, less than half of heart attacks is because of a clot right. of, or a thrombus. This is a cramp, and since all the blood in your body goes through your heart every minute, that's one minute. One minute, you should be able to get rid of cramps. And here's what Save we suggest to do that. To adjust the rate. Lup-dub, lup-dub, lup-dub. Again, as Mary said here, it's talking about vitamin F. Uh, those of you looking at the screen can take the time here to read this yourself. Yeah. Um, well, we'll just move on because we're kind of running out of time. Um, the next slide is talking about the rate. And a good, healthy heart needs two things. And if you don't remember anything else, and I know I say this every every <laughs> podcast. But this is important. Remember this. This is life-saving. There are two things that are absolutely essential, as Mary said, for the heart to work. Number one, it must have a good nerve impulse. Number two, it has to have the ability to respond to a good nerve impulse. And it's, you know, the, the, the Mets are playing tonight in a wild card game. And I kind of like the Mets because one of my favorite brothers-in-law is a real Mets diehard <laughs> fan. And when you're in baseball, you're not going to have a good professional game unless you have a very good pitcher throwing a 100-mile-an-hour baseball to the home plate. That's the nerve impulse. You've got to have a strong nerve impulse. And unless you've got somebody there that can respond properly, whack! Grand slam, home run over the center field fence. Strong Even muscle. Even though it's the other team, mm -hmm. you've got to have a strong response or you have no ball game and your ball game's over. <laughs> so you can send all the nerve impulses to the heart, but if you don't have a good strong heart to muscle. To respond to it. To respond. Yeah. So it's two things. You've got to have a good nerve impulse, and that's cataplex B. That's food for the nerves. And then you have to have the ability to respond to that nerve impulse, and that's where cardiotrophin PMG, the protomorphogen for the heart. Yes. This is literally the DNA of the heart. That's what it comes from, is bovine DNA of yeah. the heart. Yeah. That stimulates better better tissue. 
So you can eat liver and brains and tongue and other organ meats. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat pork and beef and raw dairy and milk and cheese and yogurt and cream and butter and brugies. <laughs> or or you can just well, I could go on and on and on. There's so many things in Cataplex B. Or you can just take Cataplex B. B. Whole food vitamin B. How do you know if it's whole food? Look on the label. If it says uh, thiamine monohydrate and it's got 100 or 200 or 300, it is synthetic. If it has riboflavin in large numbers, it's synthetic. If it has niacin and large numbers, it's synthetic. If it has pentothenic acid and large numbers, it's synthetic. <laughs> the heart doesn't beat. <laughs> because it has nothing better to do. That's true. That's <laughs> but true. because it's stricken by an electricity storm that's striking the myocardium. And the tissue, it has no other choice but to beat. Did when you it gets... ever do the electrical leads to the frog legs in eighth grade science? That's so disgusting, yes. I know. The frog didn't willingly give up his legs. But we learned something. When you put an electrical impulse into a muscle, the muscle contracts. Uh -huh. The actin and the myosin do their thing. So the same with the heart. The it's, same with the heart. It's beating because of a powerful electrical signal. And I, I like the way you say that, Mary, because it's not just zzzt, zzzt. Bzzzt, bzzzt <laughs> is the strength of the electrical signal coming into the heart. And so the heart hears it, and what's the heart do? It can only do one thing. It can't ignore it. Mm -mm. Boom, it has to contract. And so you need a strong electrical source, you need a strong muscle, and then you'll never know you even have a heart. But if that, if that signal comes in erratic... You will have an erratic, an erratic heart. Yes. You're, gonna, you're not going to be up and down the stairs as fast as you did when you were a kid. So where do heart signals come from? You want to get, you want to go back far enough? Yeah, let's go clear back. It, where does the signal to the heart go? It comes from the sun. The sun. Photons oh, and it, uh... energy arriving <laughs> yes, to but the earth. and you can't just go out there and stand in the sunlight and feel your heart speed mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do Humans that. Humans can't absorb energy. In the that photons, form. the radioactive energies, the the entire electromagnetic spectrum that you can't see is pounding the earth constantly. And what grabs that energy and converts that energy from the sun, that electromagnetic energy, into food? Plants. Plants do. Plants do. Exactly. So plants eat the do. Plants, or you eat something they take that, that the plant. They, they take that horrible, horrible um, combination of mud and dirt <laughs> and bacteria <laughs> and heat and and turns it into food. It's a chemical store of energy. Yeah. That's what it does. Yeah. The invisible stuff coming from the sun. Mm -hmm. turns it into something visible on the ground. Well, plants are amazing. They they like drink in carbon, okay? And give off a highly toxic residue. It would be highly toxic to the plants, but it gives off oxygen yeah. to us. Right. I mean, plants are life-saving. Carbon dioxide is deadly poison to us. That's why we breathe it out as we breathe in oxygen and the plants next door say, "Oh, thank you for that carbon dioxide. I'm going to take it and turn it into oxygen and <laughs> give it back to you." Yeah, I, and we take that chemical energy from the plant and turn it back into electrical energy. And B vitamins take that energy and do Especially that Especially something called BIOS. They don't call it that anymore. They called it vitamin B4. The reason they called it BIOS was because that was really the first thing they discovered. They call vitamin A A because that was the real first concrete enzyme that they could identify as a vitamin. 
And so they called it vitamin A, but vitamin B4 was discovered even before that. Mm. And what they found out was this doctor in, over in um, uh, Senegal, working with the British Empire and working with the people there that were essentially slaves. I hate to call them that because they were, they were treated so poorly. But when they didn't get whole food vitamin B, they developed a disease that we know today as beriberi. Beriberi comes from Senegalese, which simply means I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't. Get up, get up, get back to work. I can't, I, I, I can't. I have no energy. But they would say beriberi, beriberi in their language. Now, we know that today, beriberi, you know, you, you've heard that term somewhere. Well, that's where it came from. And so this doctor found out because these guys were eating white rice. That was the main staple of their food. Totally deficient in vitamin B. And so the their hearts wouldn't work. They're tired. So he got whole grain rice because the vitamin B is on the outside of brown rice, of whole grain rice. When you go to Chinese restaurants today, they usually will offer you brown rice as an alternative to the white rice because people are starting to wake up. White rice is just as deadly for you as white bread is. So he fed them the brown rice, and within weeks they were back on their feet and back to work. Now, why? Because it's... Well, go ahead. You were going to say something. Well, because vitamin B, this the vitamin B1 is, or, or in, excuse me, in this case, vitamin B4. Now, you can go to any health food store in America today and pick up a bottle of vitamin B and look on the label. Vitamin B4 will not be there because the FDA doesn't think it exists. They, in fact, they say it. Does, in fact, they say vitamin F doesn't exist. Crazy. Yeah. They call me a quack. <laughs> and but vitamin B4. What they found out about 100 years ago, testing with pigeons, and they would take pigeons and they would deplete the diet of vitamin B4. They would make sure whatever these pigeons were fed had no vitamin B4. They lost the ability to fly. Once they realized that and they started putting B4 back into their diets. We could fly? They could fly again. Hey. Yes, that's good, honey. Yeah. The bottom line <laughs> is Pan. for humans to be Peter Pan, more <laughs> vitamin B4. That is in Cataplex B because that is the aspect of the vitamin B complex that converts... The chemical? the chemical energy of food into the electrical, electrical energy, energy to give, bam, bam, the strong electrical spark into the heart. So we get the lub-dub. So you get the lub-dub. Yeah. You can't do it without that vitamin. Um, Dr. Royal Lee, um, I don't know how long ago this was, but he said the vitamin B4 is the one that restores function to the nerve tissue. It's very important. It's not present at all in synthetic vitamins. And that's why the synthetic vitamin won't cure fibrillation and won't restore tone to the heart muscle and stop the valve leakages and the regurgitation and the murmurs that will be stopped by the natural vitamin. You know how we prove that? He said that. Bring me the vitamin B that you're taking now. I'm saying this to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Bring it into the office. We'll do a heart, we'll do a, a heart, a heart sound recording on you. Then we'll have you take your vitamin B and we'll test you again in an hour and see what happened. Yeah. You're not going to see the changes that chewing up Cataplex B will give you. We can do the same thing. We can have them bring in, you know, Skittles and then test them again and show what happens. <laughs> that's, or, that's not funny. Oh, I know. You're serious. Yeah, or Coke. Drink or a Coke. Or a, so a soft drink. Yeah. Anything that's loaded with sugar. And watch what it does to your heart in the next few minutes. Or antioxidants. Or antioxidants. <laughs> bring in your favorite antioxidants. Yeah, let's take bring out all the Bring in your oxygen. alpha lipoic acid. Let's see what that does and to the I'll heart. And I'll show you on the heart exam what it does to the heart. Yeah. 
So this is uh, Dr. Lee talking about vitamin B deficiencies. Arrhythmias, fibrillations, hypotension, loss of appetite, slow heart rate, poor muscle tone, leg weakness, fatigue, lack of stamina, uh, coldness, postprandial fatigue. That's where you eat something and then you just totally collapse. And I don't mean after Thanksgiving with uh, high doses of tryptophan that's in Turkey. I mean, any meal that you eat that's big and, oh, gosh, I can't rest. i got to go sleep. Vitamin B deficiencies. Heart failure, diabetes, high-carbohydrate diet, stimulus, uh, the beriberi that I was just mentioning there a moment ago, and especially edema, decreased urination, holding on to fluids, and ascites. Ascites is the collection of fluid around the gut in the abdominal area. Just just, a lot of fluid building up in there. Vitamin B deficiencies. Yuck. No thanks. So... This is what, um, another thing, Dr. Lee, boy, it was 51 minutes. Something that Dr. Lee said relative to the heart. He says, I'll give you a tip on that potassium thing too. If you're deficient in potassium, your heart tends to run away into race. Paroxysmal tachycardia, also known as PATs, is a specific example. You can correct that right now with alfalfa tea or alfalfa tablets or mineral extracts of alfalfa or kelp. A patient can have congestive heart failure with potassium deficiency where there was no other cause. Paroxysmal tachycardia often comes on after a heavy meal. Why? Because you eat a lot of carbohydrate and ice cream and sugar and pie and cake, and that sugar has to be stowed away in the liver and muscles, and it requires potassium to go along with it. And when the potassium is all used up and there's some sugar left, maybe, that's when you're really in trouble. That's when the old heart starts popping off. (laughs) This is how they talk back then. The patient goes to bed after a heavy meal and wakes up with their heart pounding. Now, I know someone listening to this right now, that's exactly what's happening to you. That's a potassium deficiency. You should cut down on your carbohydrates unless you want to die and get more potassium. <laughs> Tell that's, us how it really is, Dr. Yes. Lee. And that's a good thing to ask every patient. Did they ever have their heart obvious to them? The heart is laboring way at night. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't even know you've got a heart. Never feel it. If you do, you better do something about it. Number one, cut down on the carbohydrate. And number two, get more potassium. That will clear it right up. So... What we offer our patients is organically bound minerals because it's one of the highest sources of organic potassium we can offer. Yeah, it's an amazing product. And you can chew it up and that heart will stop in, pounding in minutes. minutes. Just in minutes and that pounding pennies. will disappear. It's pennies. It can be life-saving. <laughs> and your heart will stop popping off. <laughs> I love the way he said That's that. That's cute. All right, let's talk about arrhythmia for a minute. Really okay. quick here. Again, here's two heart scans. Here's a very scary picture on the, the webinar. Same person. The bottom line's four days later. The top line is arrhythmia. All those squiggly lines, the heart never stopped moving. It can All lead to, the way through. It can lead to blood clots, stroke, heart failure, and other, other heart-related complications. That's from the American Heart Association, um, arrhythmias, and AFib. The most, the most important thing is that the heart doesn't lose its coordinated rhythm. A heart out of rhythm causes great turbulence. Let me give you an example. Lub-dub, 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 lub-dub. That's arrhythmia. That's even better, Mary. <laughs> well, you got to think of it as moving water in a tub with your hand back and forth and back and forth. Whether you go fast or slow... 
back and forth. You know, the water's just going to move around. But if you took your hand and you went out of rhythm and you stopped and start and stopped and start, you would create so much more turbulence All in the water. All over the bathtub, you could see this. You can demonstrate it for yourself. Yeah. So it causes massive blood that's what hap- disturbance. Right. That's what happens inside the aorta and in the aortic arch. And that causes tremendous stress. Yes. Tremendous stress on the walls of the arteries, the veins, and the capillaries, causing things to dislodge on the walls. Yes, That's and, and with really this 100,000 100, miles in you, every minute, the blood moving through every minute, causing tremendous stress on the walls of the arteries and the veins and the capillaries. And just as you said, it knocks things loose. But this is fibrillation. This is the heart that's quivering. I mean, it should be napping in the heartbeat. And what will doctors do when they see? Oh, they're going to give you, they're going to, well, we've got a, we have a heart well, treatment coming up here in just a second. Yeah. Um, that doctor, explains in detail what they do. Yeah, doctors will literally stop your heart to stop AFib. Yeah, and then start it again. With a drug. They, they just hope your heart will start back up again. <laughs> they, well, the, and the then drug the defibrillators, almost the every... Oh, yeah, almost every building now has an, a, a defib. Airplanes carrying them now. A lot of businesses and offices because uh, people going into a heart event, a cardiac event, usually can be preceded with an arrhythmia or fibrillation where the... Is going on and it zip bam bam, you know, and the body arches and they put those defib paddles on you, blast you with you know 400 volts, whatever I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, and it resets the heart in some cases that works, but it doesn't fix the malnutrition state of the heart, it just gets it beating again so that you can get because when the heart's going. I mean, what's it doing? The blood's coming in and sitting there, and it's moving around, and some of it goes out, some of it goes back up the wrong way, and so the brain doesn't get the blood, you die. Yeah. Well, the drug they use is Digitalis to restart your heart medically. Yeah. Dr. Lee talked about this in the 1930s. Um, Many doctors talked about this. When the heart pumps properly, the muscle contractions are regulated by waves of calcium. When the heart relaxes, the calcium is stored. When the heart contracts, it is released. In AFib, the calcium is released too early. As it leaks out, the heart begins too fast and irregular, and it beats irregularly. There's no rest period in AFib, and your heart will just, well, just wear, simply wear out. Wear it out. totally fatigues and wears out. Okay, here's an example of rhythm gone bad. Yeah, the first one is the ideal graph. It's a perfect one. Yeah, and then the second one is where arrhythmia starts showing up. There's no flat lining there between in the systole or the diastole. Should the be systole comp- is that space after the systolic contraction. The diastole is after the second heart sound where there should be a flat line. That period is known as the diastole. And you notice in this mitral, looking at the mitral valve, there is no rest. And this is also, like we talked about before, a mineral deficiency. Yes. For the rhythm. Then the next slide. There's an ideal graph, and then what is this? The mitral. Well, see, see the second, second, second sound, or the mm-hmm. first. We're talking about the second, first sound where the circle is, and you notice it's starting to spread out. In other words, the squiggly lines there are not tight together. They're spreading out compared to the one before it and the one after it. Very small, but it's there because the rhythm is starting to be interrupted. Your heart wants to beat. It wants to beat like crazy. It has nothing better to do. But like you said, it gets this powerful 
electrical storm hitting it. But if the muscle isn't strong enough to respond to it, you know, somebody comes through the neighborhood with a horn blowing. You know, there's a fire. There's a brush fire down the end of the street. Get out, get out. Oh, I'm just so tired. I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> That's what the heart's doing. Right. I, there's the sound. There's the signal. Get out, get out, you know, orderly evacuation off of the street. Go down the street and go down and turn left and then drive for five miles to a Red Cross Center. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it. I'm so tired. I well, and then, and then if you have an electrical storm where your heart is just beating erratically, here's what the uh, medical people will do. And I actually had a patient had have a, this done. I had done. a patient to tell me today. Today? Today. Yeah. Wow. Jim. I'm not going to say his last name, but Jim. Yeah, they'll do an oblation. They'll literally go in and scar the With heart. With an oblation, they go, they go up through the groin. Uh, through the inferior vena cava, and they go all the way up into the right ventricle, or right atrium, and then they go to different parts of the heart muscle, zip, zip, either with RF, with, you know, with some radio frequency, or very hot or very cold tips, they kill parts of the heart muscle where the quivering takes place. This is crazy. Instead of finding out why it quivers. And fix it. And fix it. They go, let's just stop the quivering. Stop it. It's stop like it, taking it. out a thyroid when your thyroid's bad. Just yeah, take just it out. Take it out. Just burn up Don't your heart. Don't find out why and now the, fix it. The scary thing is there's no going back from this. You no. know, when you have a scar, it, I, I have a bunch of scars. I've had six C-sections. And on the scar itself, there's no feeling. There's no electrical pulses that go zipping through there. No, no. It interrupts it. It interrupts it completely. So this is how, in, in my opinion, the dark ages of trying to stop AFib, They'll go in and do this oblation and burn your heart. And it doesn't come back from this. No, it won't. It won't restore. So it, it, it's it, it, I, I suppose they don't do this till the end stages. But where they're scarring, there's no nerve invitation. <laughs> yes. In other words, the, where the nerve, where scar tissues form, there will no, it will no longer stimulate the heart. Yeah, it stays. And that's it how just, your heart beats. It doesn't beats. move. It doesn't move. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Parts of my heart are not moving. Isn't that They can't cute? contract. No, it can't contract. They can't do anything. So then you get drugs on top of that that force the heart to contract, and like whipping a dead horse. And here's what um, Harvard Medical School says. They, scientists don't fully understand the basic problems behind AFib. And here's another one, editorial commentary by the Journal of Heart Rhythm. <laughs> 2013. Um, 2013. Where does it say... What are you trying to find? I'm trying to find where they don't know. Oh, they're talking about atribal, atrib, afib, excuse me, afib is an autoimmune disease. Yeah, because they think afib shows up once the heart starts getting attacked by its own immune system. Well, it could. But it, there's, it could there's, be part of that. Yeah, because of heart damage. Yeah, but it's nerve damage. Yes. You don't have that good, strong signal, and then you don't have a good, strong muscle to respond to that. So at the end of that, it says, such efforts may lead to a promising alternative in atrial fibrillation treatment involving the detection and removal of pathogenic autoantibodies as a therapeutic strategy. Again, they're coming in the back door. Back they're not door. coming in the front door to right. take care of the problem. No, they're trying to wipe out, they put you on some kind of plasmapheresis, which takes all the antibodies, that auto antibodies out. And it just lasts for a short time. They don't fix the problem. That's why we say in the opening of our podcast, we're in the dark ages of healing. Yes. This should have been done and figured out 60 years ago. The healing today is controlled by the pharmaceutical 
and hospital equipment interests. Yeah. And well, they want people sick, and they want people in the hospital. Yeah. Well, that's why. I so d- we need to take a break. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I d- no, no, don't stop anything. I'm just going to play some music <laughs> because it's an hour, and okay. it's going to take another 15, 20 minutes to dun-dun-dun-dun. No, what, well, I'm doing this so that if you want to stop now while you're listening to this and take a little potty break or something else, we're going to come back because we're changing. We're going to be talking more about rhythm, but we're going to be coming towards the end. So, uh, so when you hear the music, you know that it's time that you can put your unit on pause. Da 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 da. All right. So now we're starting it back up again, <laughs> and. Uh, I just wanted people to be able to go take a break. I should have told you in advance. I, I only thought of this the last <laughs> second, but it's a freaking hour. This is the longest podcast we have ever well, done. Well, it's the most important. And it, it, it's the life-saving one. It's more yes. important than any other one we've done. And well, we're not done yet. Let's it's jump A few in, more minutes yet. Let's jump into rhythm. Rhythm is the second heart sound. That's the, lub, the dub. Lub-dub. 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 So we're talking about, uh, we've been talking about rhythm. We're continuing to talk about rhythm here in the relation of, of cataplex F. But rhythm is whether or not you're having uh, interruptions to the lub-dub. And that's what fibrillation is. It's what uh, uh, arrhythmias are, where you're not getting a consistent lub-dub. Now, you can have a fast lub-dub. You can have a slow lub-dub. But when you have lub, dub, dub, lub, lub, dub, lub, dub, lub, 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 dub, that's arrhythmia. That's where it is not beating in rhythmical pattern. So what do we do? Well, cataplex F, which pushes calcium into your heart, because without calcium in your heart, you lose your endurance and you'll be very, very tired. So the first sound, S1 is what they call it, sound one, without the second sound, um, that's what happens if you don't have calcium pr- being pushed exactly. properly into your muscle. Exactly. So the second sound is due to the backing up of the blood after the push from the contraction, and the blood backs up and closes the valve. And it should close it really. Oh yeah, slam shut. Smack it. it slam shouldn't be, shut. It's like slamming the door as you leave. You exactly. Know? The old, the old. Um, what's that song? <laughs> oh, don't let the whore. Oh, oh. Yeah, don't, don't let, let it- the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> Is that a song? Yeah, I mean, wh- how anticlimactic would it be if it was a, you know, like a sheet over the door as they left? Oh, don't let the sheet hit you on the way out. <laughs> oh, that's kind of silly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but it's a door. Slam, but if you got a screen door bam. that just slams shut, that's what the valve is supposed to do that's at the end the of the contraction. Sound it's supposed to make. Yes. Yeah. So the valve closing is the second sound. And if the c- contraction collapses before it's completed or it fades away, there isn't enough velocity produced to cause that reaction. And so we only get the first sound of the heart. Yes. We don't get the dub. Lub. And then the Lub. sheet goes whoosh. Lub. <laughs> whoosh. Lub. Whoosh. And in it should be love. Minutes. Slam. In minutes, the dub can be restored using cataplex F. Cataplex F will bring back that second sound. So um, we have a slide here that says all the calcium in the in a limestone quarry will do you no good without the nutrients to move it where it belongs. So that's what calc that's what cataplex F does. It ionizes it and moves it into. And we've got a perfect graph to show it here on the next slide. Here is the top the, one. You just see the first sound. There's lub, no second lub, sound. There's lub, not even a sheet there, lub, Jack. That's not even lub. whoosh. And then 
You see, that was uh, the first one was uh, June 27th of this year. The next test was two months later, 825. There's the second sound showing up. This person up. was put on Cataplex F, Cataplex B, and some calcium. And lub dub, lub dub, lub dub across the bottom of the screen. Yeah, it, that second sound probably came back much sooner than two months, but they weren't tested right. until two months. Right. I can show it in minutes. So when you were talking there a few moments ago about rhythm and how important it is, here's Dr. Xander Weyrens, MD, PhD, teaches medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine. When you were talking about calcium, this is so important. Let me quote him. When the heart pumps properly, the muscle contractions are regulated by waves of calcium. When the heart relaxes, the calcium is stored. When the heart contracts, it is released, says Dr. Xander Weyrens. Assistant Professor of Molecular Physiology and Biophysics and Cardiology at the Baylor College of Medicine. Quote, in atrial fibrillation, the calcium is released too early as it leaks out and the heart beats too fast and irregularly. Why? To make up for the fact that it's lost the contractile strength because the calcium leaked too quick. That is the job of vitamin F, cataplex F, to drive that calcium deep into the heart tissue. Okay, this next slide, and you can see this when you're watching the webinar, shows all the products that help with rhythm, if you've got some rhythm. Now, when she says help, again, we are not treating arrhythmia. We are not treating fibrillation. We're just showing you what we use with patients that can show an immediate change in a heart sound recorder. Pre and post. Pre and post over several minutes that you can see an actual change in the heart sounds. The heart sounds described by the physiology book, Guyton's. It's in the 10th edition. It's in the 11th edition where he talks about the heart sounds, how they can be recorded, and what an arrhythmia looks like, what fibrillation looks like. And if you can show on a post-test a few minutes later those lines flattening out, what does that tell you? The heart is responding. No organ in the body responds faster to good nutrition than the heart. Or you can go burn your heart. Or you can go get it ablated. That's true. All right. Oblation. So we want to bring these pictures back up to you again, just kind of catch you up to what a healthy heart and we, a sick heart And looks what like. we're showing for those of you on the podcast, not on the webinar, is again the same picture of the healthy myocardium heart and the heart failure on the yes. right. And we're talking about tone here. We're moving from rhythm now to tone. Tone... Um, how would you describe tone? It, the muscle itself is the strength in the sense of the muscle. Of the strength of the muscle. That's the tone. Yeah. When when people go to a gym, they want to improve the tone of the body, which means they're just strengthening and tightening their muscles. Here's how you're going to strengthen and tighten the muscle of the heart. And you listen to the mitral valve for the tone. The mitral is the one that pumps out blood to the entire body. It's the Well, most the left ventricle it's pumps it out, but it's the mitral valve that makes that possible. And with a strong mitral it. valve, this is where you get into ejection fraction. How much of the blood that filled the left ventricle actually leaves during a compression? And 75% is considered very, very good. Hmm. But there's a lot of people whose ejection fractions are down 30, 40%. Ooh. Because the muscle is not strong enough to get the blood out. So what do they do? They give them electrical stimulus to improve the rate with a pacemaker. Mm -hmm. And then they give them drugs to make it beat harder. That's just like the horse finally drops in the middle of the desert carrying your backpacks. <laughs> and it's just sitting there in the sand. And you get what do you do? You take your belt off your pants and start whipping that horse. What's going to happen? 
That's exactly what you get. You get a little more out of it. Yeah, you get (laughs) You're not going to get much more than that. Yeah. And you start whipping a heart that's already sick. I'm telling you, it's just going to say, that's enough. Bye-bye. Okay. so. So, well, one thing I want to point out here is that the life cycle of a heart cell is 30 days. Yeah. Why does heart disease continue past 30 days? You got a sick, diseased heart. 30 days later, you got a sick, diseased heart. Why? Because of the nutritional value of the food that you're eating. It either is heart-rich foods that can give you a new heart in 30 days, not a new valve, but a new heart muscle. I'm talking about the myocardium. Yeah, valves, not- valves are made out of collagen. They're different material than, heart, than cardiac tissue. But the cardiac tissue changes every 30 days, and you go from a sick heart to a sicker heart to a sicker heart to a sicker heart until we finally have a heart that won't beat, and it's only 30 days old. What the heck happened? Because of serious malnutrition of vital ingredients in a nutritional profile necessary to give you a strong electrical signal and a heart that will respond to it. Well, it needs the right right nutrients, and even if you do... supplement with all these nutrients if you can't break them down you have a problem and we're going to talk about that in our next podcast because um, we had a lady that had some real bad heart problems but we didn't realize she was on tremendous drugs fire in the belly yeah that's going to be our next podcast yeah but it needs the right nutrients the life cycle of a human heart is 30 days a hundred percent of every cell in the human heart is remade and reborn in 30 days so you need to have good digestion to break down the proteins and the fat and everything else you need to rebuild that heart. The heart needs tons of oxygen, and with angina, it can't get enough oxygen, nor can any of the other organs, so you have to rely on breathing or panting to get enough oxygen in you. So um, that that's one of the... Well, we haven't really talked about this too much, but the Cataplex E2... Um, Brings that oxygen. Which is the food equivalent of nitroglycerin. Yeah. Causes vasodilation, but it forces the oxygen locked up in the heart muscle itself into an area of the heart where the heart can actually use the, utilize the oxygen. Okay, let me show you a chart here of tone. These are... This is a weak tone, a very top line, that squiggly line inside the circles. That should be flat. And that is suggestive right there the first of... of uh, Mitral valve Regurgitation prolapse. murmur. Yeah, regurgitation. Yeah, the first round drops off at the end. It falls off. And it's the same kind of energy you'd have through the day if you have a regurgitating murmur like this. You would have not enough energy. You, you would start strong in the morning, and then the energy just goes away and goes away. And by the end of the day, you're, you're just exhausted. Your heart should beat as strong at the end of the day as it does at the beginning of the day. Yeah, it's not supposed to get tired like your muscles or your back does. So that spread out first pit, uh, first um, sound, the S1. It's twice as wide as it should be. Yeah, that's a regurgitation. And then, no. all, and then all those squiggly lines between them, that's an arrhythmia. Yeah, that's not that's not good either. It doesn't get a rest. Um, and you can think of these, these valves. They're... They're uh, made of different material than the heart. Just real condensed collagen. Yeah, and when the heart enlarges, the the valves don't enlarge, and that's why things can the blood can leak around yeah, that. Right. So you've got to tighten that heart back up. That muscle has to be super strong. And remember, you can do this in 30 days. That's the most... Every 30 days. Yeah. Okay, this um, graph, this next slide, we're on slide 48 here. This graph shows irregularity before, yeah, this is stenosis. The, before the first sound. Yeah, stenosis. So 
why would there be stenosis before the first sound? The first sound is the valve closing. But if there's stenosis so that the valve area is narrowed, instead of whoo, you get a whoosh, whoosh, the blood is going through a smaller area, so whoosh, you hear this stenotic sound. So at this point, it will show up on this heart graph. And again, this comes from Guyton. This is in, in the physiology book, chapter 23, where the little squiggly line before the first sound is the sound of blood before the valve completely closes, it's a whoosh sound because it's going through a smaller hole, which is ah. what stenosis is. Mm, stenosis closing down, yeah. All right. And, and in this graph, also, there's a third sound, which is really <coughs> scary. Um, it's associated, a third sound is associated with heart failure, um, adverse well, is, outcomes, this, infarction, yes. and death. Yes. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> It's a profound loss of motor control. You can't generate a heart impulse. It's, it's like an engine that surges and then slows down. It's, it's drifting away. People describe this. People say, I felt like I was drifting, drifting away. away. Yeah, and they die. That's, yes. that's why death is one of the side effects of having a third sound. You just drift away. So when you see the first squiggly lines of this picture... There's a big one and a smaller one, which is the first and second sound, but there's a third sound. Yeah. And some people, have, when, they, when they hear this through a stethoscope, as well as on a heart, cha or a heart chart, it sounds like Kentucky, 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 Kentucky. Ooh, there's the third sound scary. coming through. And when a cardiologist hits the, hears that, oh, I got some drugs for you. I suppose. Well, we've got some food for you. Yeah. Now, we're not treating third sound irregularities. No, we're not. We're just showing this is how far the heart has gone downhill. So I'm going to quote from Dr. Lee again. The patient with heart disease or with these reactions, and I'd say that 90% of the people in this room have some of them, they all disappear when you get the right food. So it's not a serious thing. Of course, if the patient drops dead before he learns about it, then it is serious. <laughs> I mean, that's the end. There's no hope. We can't revive dead people. But I've seen several people that had their death certificate made out by the doctor who were revived with vitamins and who lived many years afterward. And that just goes to show how close to death we can be from starvation and still come back. One of these factors is the vitamin B group maintains muscle tone, and there's a complete relaxation without it. The doctor listens to your heart and tells you that you have an enlarged heart when you have this acute deficiency. He'll probably also tell you that you've got some murmurs due to valve leakage that Mary was just talking about. Well, when the heart enlarges, the valves are made of cartilage and they don't enlarge. So that's the opening. The oh, opening, where did I learn that from? I, I don't know where you got that. Good old Dr. Lee. The, enlarges along with the heart and there's bound to be leakage from the enlargement. It's that simple. You, you supply some of this vitamin B4, which promotes the muscle tone. The heart will contract a normal size. Usually inside of 10 minutes, the valve leakage disappears. So there's another easily corrected thing that was formerly considered pretty serious. Most people would feel if they had valve leakage in their heart, they'd feel, in fact, that they would be told that it's something that they should watch. <laughs> the average doctor will tell them that it never will be normal again and that if they take care of it and don't overload it, they'll be able to live nearly a normal life. I put in nearly. They don't even know that they can clear it up with a few vitamins. And I'll tell you why they don't know. It's because these conspirators who sell us these synthetic foods don't permit the doctor to know it. They actually censor all the medical literature. I challenge you to find any item in any medical book telling you 
the things I'm telling you here. Yet a hundred years ago, you could read this in medical textbooks. This is so but sad. But from 1950 on, it's gone. It's not in medical textbooks this anymore. Is, this is sad. This so is criminal. if you don't, you know, well, that's a lot of pills. I don't want to take all those <laughs> pills. Well, we've got some alternatives for you. There you go. This next slide, number 53, is an alternative to Cataplex B. Heart reduction surgery. You got a big heart? Let's cut a piece out of it. <laughs> they literally do that. They Another cut piece a piece out of the left ventricle and pull it together. This is this is what I had with my um, abdominoplasty. Because yeah. I had those six C-sections I was talking about. Yep. They My muscles were split all to the side. They pulled my muscles in, tied them tight together, and sewed me back up. Yeah, but your tummy isn't beating blood. <laughs> no, but so it was what great. they'll do with a heart that's enlarged that can easily be reversed through proper nutrition, they'll cut a piece out of it and make it smaller. But when you cut out the muscle from the part that's beating the blood to the body, what can you expect after that? Well, yes, no we can, going back. We can reduce the heart through surgery, ma'am. But you're not going to be gardening anymore. <laughs> How about scrapbooking? Okay, I shouldn't laugh. That's no, it's really not sad. funny. Let's go to the next one. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before we move on to that one, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, digitalis. Yeah, what they're going to do once they cut the hole in the heart and then br and then have the heart heal, which will heal rather quickly, a smaller heart. What do they do with it then? they got to beat it. What are they going to beat it with? This, this, um, it's actually this drug, Digitalis, they get it from an herb. It's called foxglove. Yes. And it's very powerful, but it doesn't correct the reason for the slow heart. It's, and the di, I don't know how Digoxin. to say that. Digoxin. Digoxin, that's mm -hmm. right, is the synthetic form of Digitalis. And it's like whipping a horse. It works, but it does not heal and actually wears out the horse. <laughs> Imagine yeah, that. Yeah, shocker there. So I, I say this often about herbs. I think herbs can be really great. They're medicinal. They're not necessarily curative by any means, but they um, they do do something. Uh, it, it depends on the herb, but this herb, that which they've synthesized, so it's not even an herb anymore, just beats the heart up. So just because you can whip an organ to make it work harder doesn't mean you should. And also, Dr. Lee talked about taking it easy for about two weeks to let the heart heal. Um, I think that's an important point to to point out. Yeah, so once you know that there's a problem with the heart and you start doing something nutritionally about it, take a couple of weeks off while you're doing that nutritional regimen. Have the heart sound recorded again about two weeks later 
and watch and see the changes that take place. Okay, so you can do that. You can cut out your heart, or there's an alternative here to food, to, to Cataplex B. <laughs> you can go get yourself an Acorn Core Cap Cardiac Support Bra. Yes. Literally. An, if your heart is enlarged, they can put this bra around it and pull it up. To keep it from getting bigger. To keep it from getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to talk like a little baby because that's kind of what I think of it. See, there's always alternatives to good food. Yeah. you can Put a bra on your heart. Go get a bra on. Here's another one. This is the um, Paracord Heart Net System. Now, those of you that aren't watching the webinar, this is a there's a heart here, and they put this like a hair net, literally a hair net around the heart. Because a hairnet, it has better flow than that bra. Yes, See, better so airflow. You, you got better airflow, but when you take it off, off the heart, you have all these suntan lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is from the 2010 Scientific Meeting of the Heart Failure Society of America. <laughs> Trial was stopped after a pre-specified interim analysis suggesting that six months of treatment with the HeartNet Paracore medical device had no effect on some functional endpoints. Is that a real meeting? Oh, yeah. That was oh. a real meeting? The Heart, Heart Failure Society of America. 2010 scientific meeting. Yeah. So they, they gave up on this cute little hairnet on the bra. Well, this is for those who don't want to take pills. Yeah. I don't want to take my supplements. There's too many. No. Well, okay, go do cook, this. Go Try this. this hairnet. All right. <laughs> okay, this next slide. This is, this is a surgical. We're showing you a picture of a slide with heart surgeons doing heart surgery. It's graphic. You know, it's really yucky. You probably don't want to see this if you have a weak stomach. But this is really <laughs> brilliant doctors. And this is an inside view of true healing. And they are pouring Cataplex B into the heart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was just funny. All right. But the next slide is not funny. These are the supplements you can take instead of doing cutting out part of your heart, putting a bra on, and going through heart surgery. Just try to take the cardiotrophin, Cataplex B, Cataplex E2, Cataplex E, and Cataplex C. So just as you take gentle care of yourself as you bathe in the morning and you eat and you clean your clothes and you brush your teeth, also take your supplements. You can love yourself. Again, we are not treating cardiomyopathy. That's what cardiologists do. And I don't, I don't mean what to say, it? don't get that heart bra. Don't get that heart surgery if they're saying that, if your doctors are recommending that. Yeah, but this would be a very good thing to take along with that. Or to do it first. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to make or this clear. We done. are not treating cardiomyopathy. We're just giving you some recommendations for some nutritional approach to strengthen the, the, the uh, force of the heart contraction. Um, slide 58 shows our protocol. We've had this protocol forever. It's our heart healthy protocol. And um, simply go to ForbiddenDoctor.com and search for heart general support and you'll see this protocol there. Then by, by uh, way of review, we're going to recap here really uh, quick and we'll be done here in the next few minutes. A good, healthy heart needs two things. A good nerve impulse. I think we've pretty well demonstrated that. And it needs the ability to respond to the good nerve impulse. It has to hear the signal. It's got to have the strength to respond to the signal. If those two things are present, I'm telling you, you'll go your whole life and never know you had a heart. 
So if you don't remember anything else that you need to supplement with, remember these two products, Cardiotrophin. Um, it's the, the um, extract of heart to support your heart muscle function. It will also stop any autoimmune disease in its tracks, and then you rebuild it with Cataplex B. An autoimmune attack against the heart. Autoimmune attack against the heart, that's right. There's a huge area of medical research going on right now called oral tolerization. You can Google that. And that and what they persecuted Dr. Lee for in the nineteen forties and fifties is now a major area of medical research. Yeah, have the, we the body actually attacks itself. Have we done a podcast on protomorphogens and autoimmune? I don't know that we have. I'm not sure. We're kind of losing track now. Maybe we'll do one in the future. Um, Cataplex B, of course, is for nerve. Um, is to, to give your heart food. a strong nerve impulse. And again, we have this new um, heart sound recorder. They're not calling it an endocardiograph machine because I think they got in trouble through the years for that. So they're they're calling it It's a, not that they got in trouble for the machine. They got in trouble for what they said the machine would do. And right. they talked about it treating. It doesn't treat. No. It just, it any just more listens. than a stethoscope treats. It just listens, and then it tells you what it hears. And when it hears a weak muscle, it's right there on the graph. When it hears an improperly functioning valve, it's right there on the graph. On um, slide 62, you see a picture of a patient with the heart graph. Sitting uh, heart over the mitral recorder. valve, listening Sit. to the mitral valve. And you'll see how non-invasive it is. Yeah, it just sits there, and then it moves over, and then it goes up below the neck for the pulmonic and aortic valves. So get a get an appointment scheduled to get a free heart sound recorder test. We have them in our office. For those of you that are listening to this across the country and across the world, um, they're, they just started selling these, and we're getting a list of all the doctors all across by January, the country. But by January, they'll, they'll be able to release the list of people who have these in what parts of the country yeah, they're Yeah, we'll put that on our website so you can go somewhere. Those people in our area, it's, it's free. Yeah. It's a free test. Yeah. And a recap, um, when we do a heart sound recorder test on you, we will have a list of all these supplements in front of you, as you see in slide 63, and we will just quickly quick check off the ones that we two think. Two or three, four, maybe, whatever, one mm -hmm. or two, whatever it is. Certainly not all these. Oh, heavens no. Yeah. These are the list of supplements that we, we um, pick from you to help you. Um, but I want to really stress this does not take the place of your cardiac medications. No, you don't start this by stopping whatever you're taking. No, these are your not heart block, drugs. You know, any heart drugs you're taking, you take your heart drugs until your cardiologist says you don't need to. Yeah. So these, you be very careful. But I did want to give a list of all the um, products that do support the heart. Um, one, a couple of them that I want to talk about really quickly, and I'm just going to spend one second on it. One of them is so critical because it's so useful in the um, when a, with a stroke. Uh, it, it's called Cyruta Plus. The RU stands for the Rutin Cyruta Plus, and um, Rutin is so critical for rebuilding the arteries and. Your heart, actually, Yeah, too. and Harvard Med School. Didn't we say that at the beginning of the podcast, what Harvard Med School said? No, no. They said this, quote, Indeed, if scientists had tried to design a clot-preventing molecule, they could scarcely have created one more perfect than rutin. Rutin will he seal and heal a leaking burst clot. Yeah, 
and that's from Harvard Medical School, 2012. Clots appear in both arteries and veins, and rutin can, they said this, not me, can prevent both types of clots. Rutin has proved to be the most potentially antithrombotic compound tested. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, the alternative to that is a drug. There's one called, e, how do you Eloquist, say it? Eloquist, but there's also that's a, warfarin out there. Yeah, uh, the anti-clotting drugs. But the problem is if you get bumped with that Eloquist, you will die. Well, You'll bleed Coumadin, to death in Coumadin minutes. Coumadin is the one that's been around for a long time, but now they've come out with Eloquist. There's no antidote to it. No. If you start bleeding on Eloquist, there, there's nothing they can do. It's over. You're done. So um, tiny capillaries that transfer blood from arteries to veins are the weak spots in the circulatory system. Disaster in varying degrees follows the rupture of these capillaries. That was in Collier's March 15, 1947. So rutin is what you would take to rebuild and strengthen those capillaries mm-hmm. and the arteries. The other one we want to talk about real quickly is um, soybean lecithin. This um, lowers your blood viscosity and keeps cholesterol suspended in the blood and moves it to the liver so it doesn't block a, um, cause a, cause a blockage. Um, basically, it just, um, I don't know how, it mixes with the cholesterol in the blood, so it keeps it suspended there so it won't clot up. And it's, it's, it's like a wheelbarrow. It's, it's um, not a treatment. It just is like, whoosh, get this, get this. Well, it's a tool. Yeah, get it out, get it out. Send it to the liver. Yeah. Yeah, so it allows the bloodstream to float or deliver cholesterol to the liver for disposal through the bile. So it also lowers your triglyceride level, too. So that's 15. As much as 23%. Yeah, 15 to 23%. And um, also, if you have good, here's a little gem, a little forbidden gem. Good, strong ovaries that produce the proper amounts of thyroxin. I, did, I bet you didn't know that, the ovaries no, produce. ovaries will. When they the thyroid produce, is a sluggish thing, mm-hmm. ovaries we, will produce thyroxin. We talked thyroxin. about this in one of our podcasts. That They will keep cholesterol in suspension also in the arteries instead of it placking on the wall. So that's, that's a little gem there. Okay, so we are finishing this up. Just don't forget to take our free symptom survey on our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com. Then you can get inside and search for... Heart, heart, heart general support. Heart general support is where we have our... The protocol we recommend as a regular daily tonic. And we have to read the disclaimer for those of you on the podcast. These statements above have been that have been made about specific products have not been evaluated by the USD... The United States Food and Drug Administration, <laughs> FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this webinar or podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other health care professional. And may I add, don't run with scissors. <laughs> don't tell lies. And don't put your hand into a burning fire. Don't argue with your mother. And as always, always remember, buy low, sell high. There we go. <laughs> okay. All right, that'll do it. This is an hour and a half. This is the longest one we've ever done. But we have dramatic slides here for you to actually see what it is we're talking about. So get that heart healthy, and we will see you next week. With fire in the belly. Heartburn. All right, that'll do it. 
Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing. Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor special scientific formula, our long-life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.